0: Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5 and uh, meet me at verse 5, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. Peter, the apostle, the disciple, wrote this passage of scripture. And he tells us here, likewise, you younger people, Submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. In reading this passage of Scripture, I'm impressed by several words in this ver- in these verses that really stand out to me. One is the word "submissive," which simply means to come alongside or to come up under." And Peter's telling us to be submissive to one another. then he tells us to be humble, or to have humility. And I like the definition that C.S. Lewis tells us about humility. Uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself, It's thinking of yourself less. Let me say it again, humility is not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less. And so then he talks about God resisting the proud. And so the opposite of humility is pride. And God will resist the proud, the the prideful, the proud. He will stand and oppose himself against those that walk with or in pride. Then he tells us to cast all of our care upon him, thought this is interesting that he talks about resisting the proud, and then he talks about the cares, and then he tells us how to get rid of the cares. He says, "Cast the cares." But what's interesting to me that if humility casts the cares, then pride holds on to all the cares. If humility casts the cares, then pride will hold on to the cares. And so he tells us, "God resists the proud, but cast your cares." Upon him. Why? For he cares for you. He has watchful supervision over your life. He is determined to take care of you. God cares for you. So go ahead and cast your cares upon him. And then the next verse he says, Be sober, be vigilant, or simply he's saying, Be watchful, be alert, because your adversary, your opponent, the devil, is seeking whom he may devour. Your enemy, the devil, is seeking whom he may devour. He says he's like a warring lion. And so the comparison that Peter makes with the enemy, our adversary, and the devil is that he is like a lion. Now, I don't know if you've ever done any studies of a lion or on lions, and hopefully you've done more than just watch Lion King. But the, the lion is something that when I was a kid, I really, really, really enjoyed studying lions. I mean, I liked the lion. I thought the lion was great. He's the king of the jungle, and I wanted to be a lion. And, oh, man, lions were amazing, and they roar, and everybody's scared of them. And, and Peter compares our enemy to a lion. But if you do real in-depth research on the lion, you'll find out that the lion, although he is tough and ferocious, he doesn't really like to fight. Um, The lion really likes to roar. He likes to scare you. He likes to get loud. But he really is seeking and searching for the weak, the isolated, the unguarded, the independent. The lion is seeking, searching, looking for the deer, the prey that is unguarded. He doesn't want to put up a fight. He's looking for the one that's unguarded. He's searching for the one that is simply independent. I don't need anybody else. I'm by myself and I can do this alone. The lion is looking for the one that... Uh, is isolated. He's not going after the herd. When he sees the herd, he's looking at the herd. Which one is the one that's going to be independent? Which one is the one that's going to be isolated? Which one is the one that's going to be the one that I can go after and get the easiest? And the lion is seeking whom he may devour. He's not looking at the strong. He's looking at the weak. He's not looking at the one running with the pack. He's looking for the one that is away from the pack. He's looking for the one that is on the outside of the pack. He's looking for the one that is isolated. And too often, as a pastor, as a a believer, I've seen other believers, other like-minded believers such as myself, that want to do things alone. They they want to be isolated. They they want to be uh, unguarded and, and let me do it myself. Let me be independent. Let me be full of pride. I don't need any help. I don't need anyone to know what's going on in my life. I don't need anyone to know what's happening in my life. I'm going through some bad things right now, but I can't tell nobody about that. That's exactly who the lion is looking for. He's looking looking for the one that says, you know what? That person says they can do it all by themselves. That person right there says that they they can handle it all by themselves. They don't need a church family. They don't need relationships. They don't need friends. They're going to do everything alone. The lion is after that individual. See, uh, we like to think the lion is going after the toughest one. You know, we like to, if the devil, and somebody get to preaching, if the devil's after you, it's because you got a purpose in your life and you're so strong that he sends his best enemies up. No, 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 he's going after the weak. If you keep constantly getting attacked and attacked and attacked, don't get upset at me, it's because you're weak. It's because you're isolated. It's because you're unguarded. It's because you're independent. You're not running with a herd. You're not running with a flock. You're doing things alone. And the the cool thing about the lion, there's so much prey. He's got so much prey. I mean, there's prey is available. It's accessible. I mean, there's so many people. I don't need a church family. I don't need a friend. I don't need anything. I just need to fight these battles by myself. I need to handle everything by myself. I need to just do everything alone. I don't need to tell anybody anything that's going on with me. The lion is seeking you to devour you. This is so very interesting because if we look at Mark chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 1, Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Talking about Jesus, it says he entered Capernaum. We understand this is where Jesus is from, Capernaum, after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Now, I want to pause there for a second. If I can, take a look at me. I want to go on a little tangent. Uh, Religion teaches us that Jesus didn't have a house. This is far from the truth. Actually, if you do any study about this passage of Scripture, people actually believe that this was Jesus' house. And uh, we we find out in other verses, uh, you know, real quick, Kelly, just for the fun of it, go to Mark chapter 2, verse 13, Mark 2, verse 13. We find out in other passages of Scripture about the house that Jesus possessed, and we see here that he went out again. So remember, early on, he was in the house. He went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. So... Jesus had a house, and then he stepped out the house. I thought he was homeless. Oh, but he stepped out the house and went by the sea. Uh, just for the fun of it, look at Matthew 13, 1 real quick. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. If you don't mind, Kelly, put that on the screen. Because I'm tired of religion. I got into it with one particular guy. He kept telling me that Jesus was homeless. He just, he just didn't have a home, and he was homeless. And the Son of God just didn't have nowhere to lay his head. But you know, you... You have a nice home. But Jesus, he didn't have no home. I mean, he he can have nowhere to live. But we see here, Matthew 13, 1, on the same day, Jesus went out the house. I thought he was homeless. He went out the house and sat by the sea. Not only did Jesus have a house, he had a beach house. (laughs) How many of you want a beach house in here? Well, look, Jesus had a beach house. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 13, it says he lived in Capernaum, which is by the sea. He had some real estate by the sea. His house was a beach house by the sea. Jesus was not homeless. He lived in a house. And he stepped out the house and he was on the sea. Now, people, you know, religion teaches us that, well, when he said foxes have hole and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, they tell us that's what Jesus didn't have a house. Jesus was saying, there is, I'm on the move. I'm on the go. I I don't, I'm not trying to just stay in one place. If you follow me, you're going to have to be on the move and you're going to have to be on the go. He wasn't saying he didn't have a house. Jesus had a house, and, and theologians believe that Mark chapter 2 is, some theologians believe this was Jesus' house. And let's look at verse 2 here, and it says, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. So this house is packed. Jesus is preaching the word. Verse 3, then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men, verse 4, and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying, and verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. I want to talk about this passage because I want you to understand this, this paralytic was, uh, he was immobilized. He, He could not move. He needed the help and the assistance of people in order to get places. And this paralytic had faith, but not only did he have faith, he had a herd of friends. I really wanted to title this message, Heard Faith. Herd of friends that said to him, Jesus is in town and I've got to carry you to Jesus. And one, he had to know and allow them to carry him. And two, they had to know about his condition and know about his relationship with them, that he allowed these four friends to carry him to Jesus. So when they got to Jesus, the house was so packed, they didn't say, well, we can't get to Jesus, it's packed, what should we do? No, they literally climbed on the roof of the house and began to tear a hole in the roof, and they laid the man down In Jesus, like literally with ropes, just kind of laid him down right at the feet of Jesus, and then they dropped the ropes. How do I know they dropped the ropes? Because Jesus, because Scripture tells us Jesus saw their faith. When he saw their faith, he dropped the rope, meaning we're not going to pull him back up. We are trusting that something's going to happen here where he's going to walk out that front door. But all of this would not have happened unless there was a herd of friends, unless there was relationships, unless there was a connection with other people, unless other people knew what was going on in their life. Too often, I've seen it in my life, people have died and no one knew that they were sick. I've seen this time and time again because they didn't tap into the relationships that were around them they didn't tap into them no one knew they were sick and they died no one knew they had a problem and they got evicted no one knew they had a situation and their car got reposed no one knew what was going on in their life and the enemy overwhelmed them because they wanted to do it by themselves I I have faith, and I'm going to do this by myself, and I'm independent, and I'm isolated, and I'm alone, and I can fight this battle by myself. I don't need to tell anybody anything what's going on with me. And corporate faith works a lot better than faith by yourself. Heard faith, maybe I will call it that, heard faith works a lot better than trying to stand alone and fight battle. I remember there was one particular time I got up on this platform. I said, the Lord spoke to me. Someone is supposed to come up here, and I'm supposed to lay hands on them, and we're going to believe God for something going on in your life. No one came up. That's fine. Until after service, three people came up to me. I was the one that was supposed to come up. Well, why didn't you come up? Oh, because I can't let no one know. That I got something going on in my life, right? I can't let no one know that there's some trouble in my life. I can't let no one know I got some pain in my body. I can't let no one know that something's going on in my life. And the enemy's like, that's the one I'm looking for. I'm going to devour them. I'm going to eat them up. I'm going to take care of them. I'm looking for the one that's isolated. I'm looking for the one that's unguarded. I'm looking for the independent one. I've seen it time and time again. I've experienced it. I had got sick in my body a few years ago, really sick in my body. I was fighting this battle, and Stacy ended up telling a really good friend of mine that I was sick. Friend of mine called me, and he just chewed me out. Why didn't you tell me? I could have been praying for you. I could have been believing with you. I could have been helping you. Why didn't you tell me? And I had, I had no excuse. I just... I just didn't tell him why is it because of pride probably probably I don't want anyone to know I I can do this all alone I don't want anyone to know what's going on and he chewed me out good friend just chewed me out because you didn't tell me I could have been believing God with you you didn't tell me this happens far too often. In Christianity, far too often things happen in the people and we have no idea what's going on and people struggle because they don't want to confide in anyone. You should have a friend that you can tell anything to, a friend that will support you and won't judge you, a friend that won't condemn you, a friend that, that that's a believer Not a, well, my best friend is a Mormon. That ought not be so. (laughs) My best friend is an unbeliever. That ought not be so. Actually, your best friend should be a strong believer. Your best friend should probably also be in your church. I hate when people say, well, I'm hanging out with my friends. I'm hanging out with my church. Your friends and your church should coincide. You should have friends in the church that you can talk to. I'm not saying broadcast all your business on Facebook and let me let you know Facebook is not your friend. <laughs> well, let me tell you what's going on in my life. Let me tell you, and that makes me laugh when I read people's posts. It's like, let me tell you, I'm, I'm just so sick as a dog. I'm just, I'm dying, I'm so sick as a dog. Well, go, go ahead and die then. Because you're not looking for help, you're looking for sympathy. You should, you should be telling a friend, hey, listen, will you believe God with me? I'm not saying getting on Facebook and and telling everybody what's going on in your life. I'm not even saying telling everybody in your circle what's going on. But there should be two or three people that you can trust that you can say, listen, I'm struggling with with my son. There's some things going on. Will you believe God with me? Will you stand with me? I'm struggling. This is not happening for the most part. People are fighting battles alone, people are isolated fighting battles themselves. And God never required for us to be alone in our battles. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 10, let's put that on the screen, verse 1, Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them out. Now look at the screen, sent them out alone. They sent them out alone so they can face every battle in the city. Is that what it says? By themselves. No, actually, they were sent out two by two in every city, in every place where he himself was about to go. He didn't send them out alone. We weren't supposed to do this life alone. Everything flows through relationships. You were born because of a a relationship. Money flows through relationships. Money doesn't just arbitrarily flow. It flows through relationships. Everything does. But for some way or another, if something bad happens to us, we don't want to tell anyone. And I submit to you, God opposes the proud. It's pride. It's pride. Now, I didn't say tell everyone. I didn't say have a therapy session and grab the microphone. Let me tell everybody all the troubles. Don't you don't know the troubles I've been. Let me let everybody know the troubles and, and, and what's going on. No, no. But there should be someone. There should be. There should be someone you can talk to, and they should be uplifting you and encouraging you, and they should be believers, and they should be strong in the faith with you. When you're weak, because you're not always strong, despite how you believe, you are not always strong. You have moments of weakness. When you're weak, you can contact a person and say, man, I'm I'm weak in this area. Will you help me? Will you help me, strengthen me? Will you, will, you, will you encourage me? Will you pray for me? And one of my goals that I'm endeavoring to be is to always be strong when someone calls me because I don't want to be weak too. You know what I'm saying, Brother Nate? I don't want to be, we both weak. No, no, that's, we're not helping each other. Someone's got to be strong. And I'm endeavoring. If someone calls, I want to be strong for them because I understand when I'm weak, I want them to be strong for me. He sent them out two by two, but too often We do this life alone, especially when times are hard. We don't want to tell anybody what's going on. We don't want to let anyone know what we're going through. We want to keep it to ourselves. We want to hold on to it. We want to fight the battle. And the lion is roaring, seeking you out. He can smell you. The lion, when he stalks, he can get so close. The prey don't even know he's there. The ones running with the herd, he's not thinking about them. I can't get them. And I like the old saying, you know, they say in the herd, I don't have to be the fastest in the herd, I just have to be faster than you, right? <laughs> if the lion's trying to get you, if I can be fast. No, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you stay in a herd, the lion's not gonna be able to get any of you. But when you're isolated, I, I can do this along, I could do this by myself. You should have friends that you can contact. A herd, this church, this is a place of love, a church that you can contact. There was one particular church years ago I was a part of. And, and the feeling in this church, just being real transparent and honest with you, the feeling in this church was if you come to the altar, people are going to talk about you. That was kind of the feeling. That was not what was said, but it was the feeling that everybody, so people didn't want to come to the altar when it was prayer because you might get talked about. If that happens here, I will kick people out the church. Did you hear me? If you start gossiping about people coming to the altar, I'm going to ask you to leave because this is a place of love. And it's a place of embracing one another. We're not always strong. We are we there are times of weakness, and and we're gonna be we're gonna be strong for each other. And there might be a situation when someone's going through, and if gossip starts, I'm gonna say, you got to go. Because this is not the place for that. It's a place that we embrace each other and love one another. And we find Jesus sends them out two by two. I, I'll call the friend. Um, a couple days ago, the Lord had deposited something on the inside of me that I was really excited about. And I called him. I said, man, let me tell you what I'm thinking about doing. And we got to talking. And he said, man, that's exciting. He said, you know, I'm going to call you next week and follow up and see, and, and see how far you've gotten on that endeavor. Man, that's a friend. Okay, okay. I'm going to check in on you and, and see how far you're at because I don't want you to drop the ball on this, right? This is a great idea. You should do this friend of mine called me, he said he was having struggling, he was struggling working out. Man, I've been struggling just getting in the gym, working out. I said, man, do you want to see your grandkids? Do do you want to see your great grandkids? Do do you want to be able to pick them up and hold them and toss them around? Or do you want to say, Nah, Papa, you know, Papa's back, Papa's knee, Papa, you know, you can't, you know, Papa got a lot going on. You can't touch me. He said, I don't want that. I said, man, you got to start doing it now. Man, he called me a week, he called me this week, and we talked a couple weeks ago, he called me this week and said, thank you for that encouragement, because I've been working out every day now, because I want to see my grandkids. See, See, when you're trying to do it alone, the enemy says, this is the one I want, this is the one I'm after, this is the one I will devour, because they are isolated and independent and alone. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, let's take a look here. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, two are better than one. Say that out loud. Two are better than one. Do you believe that? Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him out. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Look at the next verse. We say this next verse in in wedding ceremonies, but this is for the church. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. One translation says not easily broken. Broken. That three-four chord is you, a friend, and Jesus. It's not easily broken. Or you, a friend, and another friend. It's not easily broken. We are not called to live this life alone. When when trouble comes, that is your opportunity to utilize your friends, Christian friends, believers, like-minded. Should be in this church. That you reach out to and you say, something's going on in my life and I need you to stand with me. I need you to help me. Too often, there are too many people right now that don't have a church home. Too many believers. I was listening to a a man on TV who I I won't say his name, but he said that he did a survey of his ministry and 80% of the people that support his traveling ministry are not a part of a church. Eight out of 10. They're doing this alone. They're doing it alone. And the enemy is attacking, 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 attacking. But when you're with the herd, and not just with the herd, you utilize the herd. You, you, you tell the herd, this is what's going on. I'm, like I said, I'm not saying you got to make broadcasts, but there should be someone that you're telling, this is what's going on in my life. This is what's happening. I need you to pray with me. I need you to stand with me. I need you to agree with me. We're not called to do this alone. We're not called to go through life alone. We're not called to go through battles alone. Matter of fact, that other person might have a solution that you never thought about. That other person might have a recommendation that you never thought through. That other person might have the answer. That other person might even have the means to fix the situation that you're going through. We need each other. We're like, what, 1 Corinthians 12, we're like the body. And I can't say, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. We're all part of the body. And the the mouth can't say to the knees, hey, I have no need of you. We're all part of the body. We need each other. And when corporate faith is mixed together, it's time to stop being, well, you know, it's just me, and, you know, I don't I don't talk to anybody about the important things in my life. I just don't share nothing. Yeah, I've got marital issues, but I don't want to talk to nobody about them. I handle them by myself. I got some money issues, and just me, just me by myself. This happens a lot, a whole lot by myself. I don't want to talk to anybody about anything, what's going on. Uh, I got some pain in my body. No one needs to know the pain that's going on. In my, no, they do need to know. So they can stand with you. Because when you hurt, we hurt. But if you keep it to yourself, hold on to it, you will be devoured. I'm just letting you know that. The lion is chomping at the bit. He's going to devour you. But if you can get a friend, if you can get a third friend, if you can can get a threefold cord. I like in Mark chapter 2, he had four friends that believed in him, said, we got to get you to Jesus. We got to get you to the gym. We got to get you to start eating right. We got to get you to start doing your finances right. We got to get you to Jesus. Man, it's through relationships that everything happens in this life. When you leave this earth, you're not going to be talking about how much money you got. You're not going to be talking about... Uh, you know, how much fun you had. You're going to be talking about the relationships that you had with people. They, they're going to mean the most. When you get to heaven, it's not going to be about the money. It's going to be about the relationships. If you want to do something big in life, you're not going to be able to do it alone. There's no such thing as a self-made man. No such thing. If you ever see a, uh, a frog on, a, on, on top of a fence, you, he didn't get there by himself. <laughs> Somebody helped him. And just like in, in every area of our life, somebody is willing to help you when you allow them to help you. You allow them to speak into your life. You allow them to speak faith, and you combine their faith and your faith, and they believe you believe God together. There's one particular friend I'm thinking about right now. He was going through some things in his marriage, and, um, and he was like, listen. Uh, I've got some, I got some stuff going on. Man, I just need a friend. I need to talk to you about it. Let me. Will you help me? And I wasn't, I wasn't pastoring then. And I said, man, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. All my prayers are going to be for you and your relationship. I'm not even going to pray for myself. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to spend this next week praying for you and your relationship. And so he said, okay, well, then all of your prayer concerns, i will cover it because I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to pray. I'm going to pray for all of your prayers. So are some concerns you may have? I'm going to pray for you. And we did that within a week. Within one week, I kid you not. I'm not talking about a formula. I'm talking about relationship. Within that week, about a month or so later, things were fixed in his marriage. And there were some things I was believing for financially were taken care of because of the relationship, the herd, the faith that we combined together. Answers were taken care of and done. I'm telling you, church, we have have to let go of the pride, oppose the pride in your life that says, don't tell anybody what's going on. No, no, don't tell everybody. Did you hear me? Don't tell everybody, but tell somebody. Don't tell Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, but tell somebody This is what's going on in my life, and I need you to agree with me. And watch corporate faith come together, and watch answers become reality when you mix your faith with others. In this Faith Fundamental Series that we're in, it's so important. I believe this may be the most important message of all, that we've got to begin to mix our faith with other people's faith, people you can trust, people you can depend on people you know that have your back. Mix in your faith together with another's and watch things happen. Conversely, when you do it alone, the enemy is looking for you and he will devour you. You cannot withstand him alone. That's why scripture tells us, mix your faith with each other. Amen. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.